Hello everybody, welcome back. I'm Sarah and this is Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at The Witch's Journal, Charms, Spells, Potions and Enchantments by Celine Silverwind, which is a craft name if I've ever heard one. Uh, so apparently, according to the back of the book, Celine Silverwind is a practicing witch and pagan, co-founder of Pagan Pride Los Angeles. She teaches and writes about all aspects of magic, including love magic workshops and Wiccan romance novels. Um, I picked this book up because it was cheap on eBay, which is why I buy everything. Um, but it is $16.99 cover price, which is a lot. Um, it's not particularly long. It's maybe, I think, just over 100 pages, getting on towards 150. Um, and it's a hardback book. There's the proof for you. It is a very pretty looking book and it covers quite a lot of subjects. Um, I'm not sure that I remember all of them because I read it very quickly yesterday. Um, but basically it divides down into three sections. Magical correspondences, magical and divinationary tools, spells, charms and potions. And there's also an introduction. Uh, what is magic section and the ethics of witchcraft? Now, the book itself inside is very stylish looking. It reminds me of um, the Vintage Book of Spells and Secrets of High Magic, uh, which I read before. In the, It's sort of like a coffee table book. There's like little paragraphs scattered about the pages intermingled with little pictures. And in that way, it's quite easy to dip in and out of, which is how... Uh, Celine Silverwind recommends reading it. She very much says it's a reference book. Uh, and there is a code of symbols down the left-hand side of every page to sort of let you know what section you're in and what topic that deals with, uh, which I guess would be quite useful if you were just sort of flicking through. But to be honest, the book is short enough that you wouldn't necessarily forget which section you were in. And it's pretty clear because of the quite large um, page headings and stuff what each section is about. Um, but those sections that it divides down to, there are nine and there are different symbols for all of them. They're things like colours, stones and crystals, herbs, magical tools, spells, etc. Um, so I bought this because it looked like a Wicker 101 book, like an introduction to magic. And I hadn't really looked at one of those for a while. Uh, it's been mostly games and fiction books that I've been looking at recently. And I wanted to get into my slightly alarming to read pile. Um, which is now big enough that I can rest my feet on it while I play Xbox, which, I mean, that's not a good size for a pile of anything to be. So I read this one yesterday because I thought it would be short, and it was short because it only took me about 25 minutes to read. Although, in fairness, I did skim a fair bit because some sections just didn't apply to me, as we will see in a minute. So I've marked a few pages that interested me. The first one was page six, which is actually part of the introduction. But what I liked about it was that it wrote in a section called Embarking on a Magical Path. Basically, it sort of summed up the difference between Wiccans and witches, which it's good that it made that distinction, which a lot of books don't. But it also said this, which I thought was quite interesting. Although Wicca, the religion associated with witchcraft, began with a strict training hierarchy, most witches are now self-taught. There is no need to be initiated or trained by an elder. Instead, you can create your own system based on your beliefs, knowledge and experience. Your intuition is the most important magical tool that you possess. Follow it and it will guide you well on your magical path. Witchcraft does not require any special skills, talents or supernatural powers. It is actually based on the most natural thing in the world, your energy and will, as well as the energy of every other thing on the planet and in the heavens. If you have faith in your ability to use magic, you will succeed as a witch. What I really like about that is that it advocates using your own intuition 
and also that you can create a sort of system for yourself um, based on things that you believe or have you know interest in um, there's a lot of people who seem to think that if you're a witch you have to do all of the witch things like you have to read tarot cards and meditate and know a lot about astrology and numerology and I've never really cared about any of those things so they just don't factor into what I practice and what I do um, so I very much like that I also like the description of witches as self-taught which hadn't really occurred to me uh, I, it's always sort of broken down in my mind into being coven witches and solitary witches and a lot of books sort of imply that being solitary is not really a choice or a first choice for anyone that it's something you sort of get stuck with if you can't find a coven that will take you or um, that is in your area but I like the idea of being self-taught instead of making do and being taught by other people through books because you do have to teach yourself you have to go out and experience things and actually practice and note down in your book of shadows what happens when you do certain things and that is how you learn so i thought that was a really positive note to begin uh, the introduction on there's a section on the ethics of witchcraft which huh, which uh, i think kind of confuses the witch and wiccan issue a little teeny bit i mean it does specify that wiccan witches follow things like the law of three which i really like because you know obviously that's not something that everyone will follow but what i really liked at the bottom of that section which is page 13 is questions to ask before casting a spell and there are three uh sorry and there are four questions to ask yourself number one what are all the possible outcomes of this spell positive and negative number two am i manipulating anyone else's free will three would i be willing to cause the outcome without a spell and four is there an easier way to do this um, now one and two are things that i think apply a lot to wiccans they're very concerned with um, manipulating other people um, and the possible effects of their spell um, i've read books that basically you would never do a spell the amount of thinking they want you to do about what could happen you know if i bless my garden am i going to cause a drought and famine in sierra leone and six months down the line you have no more interest in performing that particular spell and you just never do any magic because it might hurt a bee or something which i'm being quite sarcastic and i'm not saying all wiccans like that because i myself am kind of wiccan these days i don't really know how to describe it but it goes back and forth depending on what issue we're talking about with it because i believe certain things but not others anyway what really interested me about that section was questions three and four would i be willing to cause the outcome without a spell and i think that's something you can forget when you're working magic against someone is that you should take it as seriously as you would mundane action so for example if you're doing a spell to get someone fired from where you work because you don't like working with them would you be prepared to um steal something and hide it in their desk so that they get fired because if you wouldn't be prepared to do that why would you do a spell to get them fired it's exactly the same thing all right you might not get caught but magic isn't a way to avoid mundane consequences for doing things it's a way to an extra way to help yourself so for example if you knew that your colleague was stealing and they were actually stealing uh, and you knew evidence of this you could do a spell for them to get justice and then maybe drop uh, an email into your manager to say actually Helen's hiding staplers in her desk and taking them home at the weekends to build some sort of stapler fort and I don't think just doing something with magic necessarily makes it more ethical than taking the corresponding mundane action like they're both bad as each other and magic doesn't 
become more or less ethical just because it's more ethereal if you see what i mean so that was quite an interesting question i think to ask yourself when you're doing magic um step four is there an easier way to do this again mundane action is something that you know some people they just want to throw a spell at everything but you don't always have to do a spell and that's not saying you should never work magic because see my previous remarks sometimes you just need to but would it be easier for example to sit down with a partner and discuss an issue and work on your relationship rather than just working endless spells to keep your keep you from breaking up to keep you from arguing when maybe all you need to do is sit down and have a frank discussion for 10 minutes and all of the rituals that you've spent hours doing to keep things together were just extra complications that you didn't need quite frankly so again i thought that was really good advice and not advice that i'd necessarily seen before and much of the book from that point is given over to different ideas and things that most people who've read a wicker one-on-one book before would be very familiar with uh, so you've got like color correspondences for crystals um using crystals in magic a basic list of what kind of herbs you can use for different things and what forms you can get them in what planets mean and different kind of planetary correspondences and then you've got a two-page spread on various different pantheons of gods and goddesses so you've got celtic gods teutonic deities egyptian greek and roman chinese um, african and you know various other groups and i think that's quite good it gives you a sort of rough idea of sort of the major deities in that pantheon my one gripe with this as someone who uses the greek pantheon is that it was lumped in with roman because yes a lot of those deities correspond with each other because of like romans adopting greek gods and just renaming them but there are differences between them and you shouldn't really just lump them in together i mean even if you're just doing a two-page spread do one page for greek one page for roman and not have a box that says greek and roman gods and then gives basically like you know jupiter and zeus as the same thing when they have different myths associated with them and although similar are not identical also hecate isn't mentioned at all in that section which as the goddess of witches you'd think she would be which you know that annoyed me a little bit i didn't end up reading the sections on chinese or african deities or things like that because that holds no interest for me that's not the pantheon that i work with um but i think it is interesting especially if um you're assuming that not just white teenage girls are going to be reading this book you know you can reach other demographics and things and usually what they focus on is you know the celtic and the greek and roman whereas you know if someone is from a different culture you know if they're from china or you know they have chinese ancestry they might be interested in reading about you know the actual gods of their ancestors culture if they're not aware of them already and you know how to use those in witchcraft so i thought that was quite interesting there's a section again on ritual tools which isn't saying a huge amount of new stuff it does give some advice on how to make candles which is pretty interesting um and offers various advice for making wands for finding an appropriate athne various other things like that which is again probably very useful for people to have um i will say that even though i'm saying obviously all of this stuff exists in other wicker 101 books this is probably one of the better ones i've ever read 
because um, and we'll get to that in the spell section in a second it definitely gives you a lot of information for you to work with and doesn't just tell you this thing is this thing because it kind of reasons it out it's like okay gold gold is a color we associate with wealth because obviously a lot of coins have been made out of gold and a lot of gold has been used to store wealth for different countries um, and like in western countries you know you have like gold bullion which is represented by banknotes and things like that and so therefore it is a color that you would associate with prosperity and wealth and also with the sun and it kind of gives you some background behind those ideas and explains them in a little bit more in-depth way than just plopping down a table and saying gold equals money go nuts there's a section on page 74 75 which is called unusual items which i found interesting again it gives things like a witch bottle lodestone cemetery dirt things that i guess don't really fit into another category of things because they you know they're not a herb or a crystal or what have you what I found weird about some of these items is it doesn't tell you what they would be used for. For example, the skeleton key section says skeleton keys are old fashioned keys that can fit multiple locks. You can often find them affordably at antique shops, but you could also visit a hardware shop and ask for a key blank. You might already have a skeleton key if you have dining room hutches or secretaries with decorative locks and keys. But nowhere in that does it say what magical use that could be put to. I guess you could use it for like symbolizing doors opening to you in a career search or various things like that but yeah it doesn't give the ideas of what you would actually use that for which i found slightly odd then it gives you some basic info on two on three types of divination so there's uh, basic meanings of the tarot cards um, i think they're quite similar to the rider weight deck in terms of imagery uh, runes again basic meanings to the runes and the instructions on how to make runes and then scrying using uh, mirrors and crystal balls etc which is good i like that they included that because usually books will just stick to tarot or runes it's nice to have another option you've got stuff about astrology planets um, finding your signs and numerology again i kind of skipped over that because it's not stuff that i'm really interesting and i don't really tend to put that in with witch stuff because for me personally it's not witchy it's sort of more um i would put that more in the hippie category of things nuance but then you get to the spell work section and this was actually a section that i really liked um it gives you the basics on how to do um, like a circle casting and then breaks things down into manifesting spells banishing spells spells for love spells for career yada 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 we've seen these sections a million times before but what i found interesting about this one is that it kind of gives you options for how to use a spell so for instance it gives you little tables of love gods love goddesses it gives you lists of herbs and crystals for their correspondences as well and it gives you ideas like using a heart made of pink quartz for example or using a whole calendula flower cooking a chocolate cake and putting maybe some cinnamon in it to spice things up it gives you ideas and it does in fact also give you a spell that you can perform if you want in the love section it is a spell to meet your perfect partner and a spell to dream of your future husband those are quite ethical love spells that's perfectly fine but it also gives you those resources to use those correspondences for other spells it doesn't insist that you use the spells in the book as written and i think if this was your first book about wiccan stuff and you were like oh i want to do a spell 
that necessarily not necessarily is one of these but is in the same vein like it's healing but not in the same way that they have done a spell for you could look at the correspondences in the healing section pick a goddess or god um, that you recognized from your pantheon pick some healing herbs maybe change the wording of the spell they've given use different ideas from what they've provided in that section and you could cobble together a pretty decent spell i was quite impressed with that because usually it just says in these like spell sections you will need a purple candle a piece of agate a piece of black lace and some herb that you've never been able to find in your life unless you can like order it from a specialist shop and it doesn't tell you why you need those things and it doesn't explain what you can substitute those for but this does it tells you on other pages obviously what the purple candle means and maybe if you think a black candle or a gray candle might suit your intentions better you know what those mean and you can substitute those in similarly with the crystals and herbs if you can't get incredibly hard to find herb a you can substitute easy to find growing in your back garden herb c so that's quite useful so in terms of actually sitting down and being able to read it as a book it's not really that kind of book you just have to kind of flick through it has a kind of magazine like layout so you can flick through look at specific pages about specific things whatever picture catches your eye and just look at that and decide what it is you're interested in as you go through i think it would make a pretty good reference book a pretty good first book for someone about wicca because it definitely gives you a lot of information about lots of different aspects of wicca or witchcraft and you can pick from that what you're actually interested in like if you read the section of astrology and you're like oh i really like astrology i'm not that into tarot you then know where to go and you can read other books about it and it gives you you know the basics and explains why in very simple terms some things are some ways and some things other ways like how you would cast a circle and why that is and i think it just gets the information across in a very easy way so it's definitely good i definitely rank celine silverwind above silver ravenwolf who i was instantly reminded of just because of her name um i looked into other things written by celine silverwind because I was piqued in my interest by the back of the book saying that she also writes Wiccan romance novels. I'm always on the lookout for a good um, fiction book which features Wiccan stuff because honestly they are quite difficult to find. Um, and I did find one that she's written called Once Upon a Beltane Eve. Uh, I looked at that on Goodreads, but when I went to the Amazon page to maybe purchase it as an ebook, um, I found that new copies are £80 and used copies are £69.67, which is a weirdly specific amount of money, but also a very high amount of money. So I'm not quite sure what's gone on there. There doesn't seem to be an ebook version. Maybe it had a really limited run of paperbacks and they're now super expensive. But um, I've put up a question on the Goodreads page to find out if any of the people who have read the book know where i can get it for less than 70 quid because fuck that noise like i said the cover price for the book 16.99 i mean if this is going to be your only book that you have about wicker or witchcraft 16.99 might not be the worst price because to be honest you could probably get by on literally just this book for your first year of practice because it just has a lot of things in it that are very useful herbal lore 
information about deities, how to practice divination, various spells and things for you to try. If you are just buying it to add to your collection for completeness sake, like, I mean, I just tend to collect books about witchcraft for no real reason, except that I like them. They make me feel witchy. And also I have a podcast to run. But um, you can get it secondhand on eBay or Amazon for like seven to eleven pounds, which isn't, you know, the worst price in the world. But I think actually it kind of just kind of justifies its cover price if it's going to be like your core book for quite a while although I think it could have been a lot cheaper if they hadn't gone for like the aesthetic of having it in like hardback and having like the full colour pictures and the kind of parchment texture paper like that's definitely designed to have quite a high markup but you could do worse, is what I'm saying, for your first book about witchcraft. I hope you've enjoyed this review. Remember, you can get in touch. Let me know if you can find a copy of um, Once Upon a Beltane Eve, or whatever I said before, for less than 70 in quid, because I would quite like to read it, but I don't want to be poor. And you can get in touch on Twitter, which is at witchfix, or via Gmail, which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, you can also donate to support the podcast using the Patreon information in the description box. And if you go on Twitter and search through the tweets, you can find the wishlist that we've got going for various books and things that I'd like to review at some point. And you can buy something off there and it will wing its way to me. In the meantime, I will see you in the next episode. Bye!